0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Finger Guns podcast. How are you doing? My name's Roscoe. I'm joined by Mr. Tommy
1: Anderson. Evening. Evening. How are you, man? All right? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you very much. Just been rushing around my house trying to get ready for this podcast, but um, if I sound out of breath, that's why. But otherwise, I'm good. I'll calm down for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. Thank you. I'll I'll calm down, ready to talk about games. All good. Yay. Yeah, that's what we're here for, indeed. And Mr. Sean Davies. Hi.
2: Hey, man. How's it going? I'm very well. How are you? I'm very well. Wow, you are sprightly this evening. I, I'm currently very... So I, I bought something from, from Farm Foods earlier today called What's the Fanta. Nice. And it's, it's basically a green Fanta that asks you to guess the flavour. And yeah, it's very sugary. Let me tell you that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you have a guess as to what the flavour may be?
2: Uh, complete arse. Um, oh. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't taste very nice. It tastes like uh, off-cider. So I'm, I'm guessing that's what it is
0: some kind of apple based thing then
2: well the, the, I, I bought two bottles they were 38 peach for two liters <laughs> so so um <laughs> that's what people think of it and the first bottle tasted like like apple tango and i'm like okay that's fine i understand that the second one tastes like it's it's off cider so mm. i don't know maybe maybe there's different flavors in each bottle because the, these two do not taste at all the same is it like
1: the drink equivalent of Bertie's Every Flavor Beans? Yes. From Maybe. Harry Potter.
2: it to take another swig in a minute and it tastes like black currant. <laughs> exactly. And then take another <laughs>
1: swig and it'll taste like snot or something. Oh,
2: lovely. Great. Oh. <laughs> Thanks for that. How are you, Ross? That's
1: all right. Yeah, man,
0: I'm really well. I've uh, had, a, had a fun week uh, getting to grips with the PSI a little bit more and uh, putting my guitars on the wall on my flat when they look very nice. So that's a fun thing. It's kind of like I've always wanted to something I've never done before. is have my guitars kind of on the wall of a room, and so nice to have them displayed, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's better than being in their cases. Yeah, so,
2: coming together now is like a bit of a bit of a pad.
0: It is. Yeah.
2: <laughs> have you got some smooth jazz? You can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've got um, Alexa hooked up to my TV, and that's like the greatest thing ever. So I can ask her to turn the TV on and off, switch HDMI's. Switch wow. And, oh. Oh, nice. My remote control's are looking at me like, what the hell, what do you want me for? But <laughs> Yeah, it's a very lazy uh, new addition to my life, but I love it. I'm considering LED light strips.
1: Mm, LED light strips, they generally look pretty good.
0: Yeah, Amazon recommended me Amazon light strips earlier today, and I was like, you know what, that's not a bad idea. And they can be hooked up to Alexa too, so I'm getting very excited about all these possibilities.
1: What, We've got what's... some pretty funky ones in our kitchen. So, like, underneath the cabinets, the, the high-up cabinets, and then they can shine down on your work surface when you're trying to cook something. It's
2: good. Oh, that's cool. Are these ones that you tell turn on? You just go, turn on?
0: Yeah. So they're like, they're, like, reels of light strips that you stick to, stick under, like, kitchen areas or stick them on anything. Basically, you want a light, and uh, you can control them. With the remote control or with your phone, and they have all different colors. And it's, it's very tempting because they just look, Quite neat, and make things look a bit more, uh, a bit more futuristic. Christmas gift ideas,
2: indeed. I've I've seen too many sci-fi movies where these things, these smart homes, have gone wrong. For me to want to (laughs) invest anymore, I'm already a bit like KG asking Alexa anything. To be honest, Mm. she's listening all the time.
1: It's It's when she accidentally listens to you when you when you're saying something completely innocuous, and you're just like, "Oh right, yeah, she's hearing everything." I really shouldn't talk about that.
2: (laughs) 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 But the other day, me and KG were just sitting here, just just completely you know not even in the same room and she started to like blast out dubstep <laughs> and neither are our music tastes but for whatever reason she decided that she wanted to listen to dubstep tonight so okay weird
0: yeah yeah well it's a it's a consideration i've got the the playstation led lights and um, that little bass thing that they released a few months ago and it's it's given me inspiration i might put some under my tv unit to shine down on the ps5 Possibly that may be pushing it, but that's an idea anyway. So that's been my week, <laughs> looking at lights, looking at cool, funky lights to put around the flat. Okay, let's jump into game of the week, uh, Mister Toby. What is your game of the week?
1: Um, well, I was kind of hoping Greg was going to be around when I started on this one, but um, he's not. He's oh not yeah, I should today's... stress. Uh, yeah, Greg and Paul uh, haven't made it tonight, so yeah, just the three of us this evening. Carry on. No worries. Um, yeah, Greg's into his um, Souls-like games, isn't he? And I've been playing Code Vein. Um, so I found that a lot of these Dark Souls types of games, I, they, they don't really agree with me and I find them quite difficult and then I get annoyed and bored. Usually bored because there's relatively little plot, it's always very lore heavy. So if you read a lot of the stuff, you, then you'll build up a good history of the world and things like that. And it can be very interesting, but it's not got much plot and that's usually the case with the Dark Souls games and Bloodborne and a few others like that, um, which is what's put me off generally. So. When I played a demo of Code Vein on the Xbox uh, One, I thought that's got quite a bit of story to it considering that's just a demo. Um, and if that carries on all the way through, which it has done, um, then I think I could, you know, I could keep going past really difficult bosses if I've got something to keep me playing, you know, like a plot to keep me invested. And it's, it's proved to be pretty fun. Um, although I would say it's probably a Souls light rather than, you know, a, a really difficult From Software proper one. Um, it's got a bit of a action RPG feel as well as the souls combat um but yeah if you like your if you like your souls covered in anime and really over the top in-depth crazy sci-fi plots um and vampires then it's yeah it's right up my alley um i quite like all that sort of stuff so it's it's been definitely worth it um That's- it's good it's good I, i've really enjoyed it i think it's got good it's got a good combat and i've, I've got used to the sort of parrying's very very difficult on it but um the dodging, I've got the dodging down pretty good. Pretty good now, I can can get around enemies a lot. And I'm, I'm about halfway through. That's furthest awesome. than I've ever got in almost any Souls game, apart from the one I reviewed recently.
0: Has it given you an inkling to want to try things like Dark Souls Three and Bloodborne? And they're
1: like, Yeah, I thought. Well, this is it. I, I'm thinking if I can get to the end of Code Vein, then maybe I can venture into the official, you know, pantheon and and try and find my luck there. I'll probably start with Sekiro because, again, that one's got quite a bit of a story to it um, compared to the others, and then probably go back to Bloodborne, which is the one I've played the most of in the past. Um, I've got like three bosses in or so to, to Bloodborne in the past. Um, and then maybe we'll try the actual Dark Souls uh, trilogy because then I can, get, I can go to Demon Souls even later when I get a PS5, can I?
0: Yeah, um, indeed.
1: So yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll try. I'll see how far I get into this Dark Souls-like universe before I'm suddenly going, Do you know what I really need? I need something like Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I keep looking at
0: Demon Cells and I know it's not my kind of thing. And I know that I'll probably not play it all that much. And it is a premium of mm. £70. One of the only mm. games on the PSN
1: store at 70 quid. But God, it looks pretty does look cool it's just you've got to really be into into that sort of it is still a niche I know I know they've sold well overall as a genre but it's still Mm. a pretty niche genre um for the masochists out there Mm. Um, and I'm trying to get into it because they look like great games and and I want I, I like difficult uh boss battles you know in in other games it's just to find them often not to have enough of the other things I need to keep me invested yeah yeah,
2: I was going to say with Demon Souls, I imagine the the Venn diagram of people who want to buy a PS5 on day one and the people that want to play Demon Souls is a pretty hefty crossover.
1: Yeah, that that's probably a good a good Venn diagram. It's probably yeah, large crossover. Yeah. It's just that the people who you know who generally would buy Demon Souls is not a massive portion of the normal PlayStation Four oh, totally. uh, group. If you see what I mean. Yeah, I, I think yeah. you're absolutely right.
2: Yeah, they, they've they've catered to the exact audience they
1: they, they, they wanted pinpointed. to. Pinpointed, yeah, absolutely.
2: You Souls guys, you come with us. You know, leave the Xbox alone. You spend a lot of money on games over the years. <laughs> so you come with us. <laughs> I'm looking
1: forward to um Elden Ring that they're talking about from Software because that's oh that storyline. Well, it's got a storyline by George R R Martin. I'm thinking that will get me right into the into a Souls game. Yeah, you'll that that game isn't happening. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow. wow. Have you, have you, have, is this part of today's discussion about the Game Awards? Games that isn't
0: happening. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I just have a feeling. I think it's going to turn into
1: Cyberpunk. We're not going to see I, it until 2030 or something. I wonder if he's just not writing it. Do you know what I mean? Because he doesn't write the books, so maybe he's just sitting there on his ass not writing it.
0: I guess he's got some kind of executive producer role where they sort <laughs> of send him the daily things they've made, and he goes, yep. Yep. That's cool. <laughs>
1: And that's probably it, to be honest. He probably wrote a history for it, rather than anything else, and then they just they just go with it after that. I doubt he's involved on a very meaningful basis, if you see what I mean. Yeah. He
2: did the first two chapters and then just said, "Daff, yeah, it, yourself. yeah, fuck it, <laughs> go try the rest."
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> that might actually be a fun topic for next week. Actually, games. Where the hell are certain games? <laughs> Looking into things like Bayonetta and. Metroid Prime, things that are just mm. were announced years ago, and Metroid still know, Prime Four, yeah. yeah, things we know nothing about. Look out for that next week, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>
2: but just, just, just before we move on, Elden Ring, um, December tenth, the Game Awards. We are getting news about Elden Ring.
0: Has it been cancelled? So, yeah, is that the news? So, so, so they say. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: The well, you know, both both um, Jeff and the lead marketeer of um, Elden Ring has been teasing. Uh, the December tenth date. So, you know.
1: I was going to say I thought I'd heard something from it in the last couple of weeks, so I didn't think it was dead dead.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, it's not dead dead. It's just uh, we announced it way too early, dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, man, the game wars are the same night as Cyberpunk. Like, I, I've now pre-ordered Cyberpunk, and it'll be on my PS Five at midnight, and like an hour later, the game Awards start.
1: <laughs> oh, what are they thinking? It's crazy. So picture in picture. You, oh. Got- Oh, that's We've a got good idea, is Way to do Toby. this,
2: Tomzy, genius. <laughs> we can be snarky while playing. Saturn. Yeah, oh, that's, that's a great perfect.
0: idea. <laughs> oh god, but I like I like tweeting along. So, mm. uh, well, you may not be able to do everything at once. Okay, I'm gonna have to. I'm, I'm gonna have to. Uh, like an hour into stuff, my kid be like, you know what? same like for me, never play it again. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed that doesn't happen. Uh, right, Mr. Sean Davies. wow, we went off on a tangent there, didn't we? Uh, what's your game of the week? Uh,
2: my game of the week. I, I'd like to take, talk about Pon Poo, but I can't because uh, the embargo is not up. Uh, but read the review on Wednesday, and I'd also like to talk about Seven Max Save the World, but I can't because the embargo is not up until Wednesday. So read my review then. What I will talk about is Poker Club on the PS5. Now, this is pitched as so it's out on it's out on every console. And so far, it has had a bit of a rough ride. This has been one of those games that's launched and the server issues are massive and there has been plenty of issues early days. They are really starting to turn this around now. Um, Early days, it was very difficult to get a game. When you did get a game, basically, the people on the table would be translucent uh, and sometimes you wouldn't be able to see who else is on the table. It's now getting to a point where it's it's actually turning into a very immersive, good poker game. And I know that's something that you know it will turn a lot of people off. But a, a good a good poker game is a good poker game. And if you're into poker, this is a pretty good one. Uh, basically, it's a it's a 3D table sat in a 3D bar with like an ambiance and a bit of music in the background. Ambiance, ambiance. There you go. Ambiance. 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 Oh, I my mean, awesome. <laughs> I was going to say, you need a
1: bit of a French accent. Perfect. Yeah,
2: that's it. Oh, <laughs> um, And you play, you play poker, and there's very various different modes. There's like a single player career where you you play alongside bots and other players in order to complete tasks like win ten hands, eliminate X number of players, that kind of thing. And then there's just a cash table and tournaments you can join up to. It's it started to come into its own. And you'll probably see reviews out there that are saying, oh, it's it's crap. And I have seen one review that was like, the servers are broken. And unfortunately, yeah, at the, the time they were, but then now it's it's progressed on quite a bit from, from there. I've been playing as much as I possibly can in my spare time between you know Miles Morales and Stag Boy and all the rest of the PS5 games. I, I'm really enjoying it now. Um, it, it still has the occasional moment when it, it goes hiccup and uh, you know everyone gets beat it from the table but you know as as poker games go it's probably the best one i've played it's it's uh deceptively engrossing i i find myself looking at 3d models which can't can't give me any tells you know it's not as if that's a map of a human's face who's just you know got a pocket pair of aces and trying trying not to look excited about it but you can do like little animations with your hands if you wanted to so you can like right-click and do um, face facial animations, which is like a, a surefire way of throwing somebody off. This one guy, was, I, he went all in, and I called him, and he went, yay. And I was like, oh, shit, I have got him out of here. And I got him out. <laughs> <laughs> got four of a kind, and he got three of a kind, and he was so pissed. <laughs> got a message on Pearson and everything. Um, but, um, yeah, if you, if you fancy a game, I'm going to try and set up a poker club, four finger guns on there. We have to earn a million chips. And I'm up to half a million right now, so um, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, hmm. it, it's worth a look. If you've got, if you like poker, come and give me a game. It's made by Vufu, isn't it? Uh, Ripstone.
0: Ripstone published so. it. Did they make it as well?
2: I believe so. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. Ripstone. Like I know them as Pure Pool and Pure Hold'em, and that yeah. and Pure pool was fantastic. So, yeah, they have they have pedigree in that team. Yeah. And uh, it looks very pretty as well, poker club.
2: Yeah, one one of the really cool things about it is one of the reason it's had such issues is that a lot of poker games, they already have like a set amount. So they they deal the cards and the flop and all the rest of the cards that might get drawn out of betting, the moment the game starts. But in this game, every time a new card is drawn, it communicates with the server to tell you what that card's going to be. So that way, you can't get oh, cheaters. interesting. So, you know, in, in other games, you can get people that can get, like, hacks, and they can basically say, okay, well, I know the next few cars that are coming out. I'm not going to play because I, w- I won't get anything with them. Um, so it's, it's very smart, and uh, I'm, I'm entertained so far. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Cool. What about your game of the week?
0: Well, I was going to talk Mars Morales because I platinumed it this week. And before I start, fuck New Game Plus Platinum Trophy getting. Agreed. That is bang out of order, Insomniac. Yes, of course I loved your game and I was happy to play through it again, but that's not the point. Just no. No more beat the game on New Game Plus for the Platinum. Not not happy with that. But what it did make me do is realise, huh, the story is only about seven hours long. And I beat it in I beat it in two nights. Just story. No side quests, no crimes or anything. Just went straight through and Yeah, I managed to beat it fairly quickly. So the new game plus wasn't as awful as it could have been. But yeah, no, not happy with that. But yeah, Platinum is done. Huzzah. But I think the game I want to talk about is Spirit of the North, because it had a PS5 update this week. And I was lucky enough to review the game. Uh, we got a code sent through, so thank you very much for that. And it's just not as good as it thinks it is. It has this real cockiness about it. And I don't know what it I don't know how to explain it really, but There's something about this game that thinks it's this majestic slow burn and it's just not. (laughs) It's just not. And I really like slow, methodical games. I love Firewatch. I love What Remains of Edith Finch and Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, things like that from the last gen that I absolutely adored. And Spirit of the North has those elements, but it's just not as exciting and there's no real story to kind of hang on to as you're going through these slow moments, trying to uncover different things. Edith Finch has that in a sense that you want to uncover what happens next because the story is so fascinating the way it builds but yeah spirit of the north i mean i think probably toby can attest to this too it's just it's a beautiful game the upgrade to ps5 has been fantastic like 4k 60 frames a second very pretty but there's just not much under the uh the style of it
1: yeah i i, I did enjoy it but and not enough to go back for any reason after i'd finished it was it was it was it took you through a uh, you know five five hours or so, didn't it, and that was about it and there was some some pretty hairy sort of platforming um it it doesn't respond well um so the platforming parts are not really good enough platforming to 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 warrant including them and then yeah you're just sort of going from shrine to shrine sort of slowly getting towards the smoke at the end and that's kind of it it's it sort of thinks it's journey and it's not and it sort of thinks it's one of those types but it's it's not quite as good i'm afraid it's it's sort of you know it's trying to be in that genre but it's just not um mm.
2: did either of you play the first tree nope nope it's it's a very similar game but i'm i'm, I'm guessing that um it's it's what this um this game tried to be because there's a very strong narrative there and you play the fox going through wilderness Looking mm. for his, his children.
1: That's cool. The difference is that's got a narrative. Well, immediately you're just saying <laughs> looking for children. That's more than this has. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no real story to speak you're, of. You're presented with a smoke trail in the distance, mm. and that's it. You're, I, and you assume you need to get there. It's really not giving you much more than that. Yeah.
0: There's very little to cling on to. And yes, you can beat it in an afternoon, but it's. I only did it for the purposes of review which you can read now on thingigans.net. But yeah, it's not it's not great which is a shame because it's uh, it stands out as one of the weaker PS5 launch titles I think, all the launch window titles. And uh, it's a shame because on the surface it's beautiful and it makes you intrigued to want to play it. Um, as Toby probably was when he reviewed it the first time around.
1: Mm.
0: Um, the the visual aesthetic of it makes you go, "Oh, that's interesting. I'll check that out." Uh, but yeah, there's nothing under the hood. Style over substance, as they say. That's uh spirit of the north. So yeah, about spirit of the north. Everything else, uh, oh God no. I I need to, I haven't started bug snacks yet, man. I need to start bug snacks. <laughs> kids oh, looking at me, and I'm like, oh God, I really want to play you, but I also don't
2: I don't know what to do. My kids are absolutely obsessed with bug snacks now.
0: Oh, good. That's good. It's, That's who should be obsessed with it, isn't it? Really.
2: It it is, but I mean, some of it's like. Do you know, like, when you watch a cartoon and there's an adult, adult-themed adult joke that the kid doesn't get, but you do? There's loads of them in it. Okay. And, and within 30 seconds, there's a lesbian couple. And I was just like, this game is gay as hell! Yes! <laughs> 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 yeah, but my kids, all, all they do is keep going out and finding new bugs and then turning everybody into that snack. So, like, the entire mm. village is full of just raspberry people right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <So> <laughs> can, you answer, can you answer me a question without spoiling anything? Do, if people turn into these snacks, right, and I, I, haven't, I haven't played enough or, or seen any spoilerific stuff at the end, but if they turn into, you know, their arms turn into raspberries, their legs turn into raspberries, do they eventually start just becoming completely just raspberries and then dying, or do they just live as a raspberry?
2: That's a very good question. That's what I want to know.
1: I've heard the ending is I feel really it's more. Dark. Yeah, I feel it's very <laughs> morbid somewhere in there that they're turning into these snacks. And I'm like, do they all die at the end?
2: <laughs> yeah, people keep building this end up and saying that it's absolutely brilliant. And I'm like, I really need to get there now. Mm. But my kids keep fucking derailing it. <laughs> 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 I'll be yeah. halfway up like a mountain, and the next thing, and I'll I'll come back to the game, and I'm back in the desert. They're like, what the hell happened here? <laughs>
0: Well, if you well, get an answer to it, you can let me know. Well done. Someone someone tweeted the ending of burst gave me an existential crisis. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. I need that's to. That's someone there.
1: turning into a snack. That that's what that is.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what this crazy twist is, but yeah, I will I'll start it this week and I'll report back. It's a perfect pallet before before Cyberpunk. <laughs> right. Let's jump into this week's trivia challenge with Mr. Sean Davies. Whoop whoop. One on one this week. Oh my god!
2: I wish I'd known that when I wrote this quiz. <laughs> <laughs> god. Um, so I tried to do something a bit different this this week because I'm, I'm getting bored of just doing the random trivia like answers. So basically, this 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 week's quiz is all about um, game development studios, and I basically got a list of hints that hint towards which game development studio this is, and it's your job to tell me which which developer it is. Oh, okay. um, so so don't worry too much. I, I've, I've tried to keep things that are, are reasonably well-known with a couple of curveballs. So <laughs> um, if you've never done this before, I'm going to read these questions out towards the end of the quiz. At we'll, the, the end of the podcast, we'll get the answers, and then we'll see who won. Okay. Have you got a pen paper, Slack, Google?
1: Yep, no. All those. But the pen and paper.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question one. Uh, this studio was formed in 2004 in California by Kevin Bruner, Dan Connors, and Troy Molander, and they developed a game called Salmon Max Save the World.
0: Wait a minute, i heard further that game.
2: So question one The studio was formed in 2004 in California by Kevin Bruner, Dan Connors, and Troy Molander, and they developed a game called Salmon Max Save the World. Okay. Question 2 This studio was founded by Andy Gavin and Jason Rubin in 1984. Their first game was called Math Jam for the Apple II and this studio was bought by by Sony in
1: 2001 Oh is that all the clothes? <laughs> <No>. oh. <laughs> I needed more
2: Sorry I, I thought one of those names would have given it away and that's why I didn't give you more
0: uh, yes, I remember that big
1: deep dive special we did into Math Jam on the podcast. <laughs> I think I think I know one of them's names, and I know where they work now.
2: Okay, question two. Founded by Andy Gavin and Jason Rubin in 1984, their first game was called Math Jam for the Apple II, and this studio was bought by Sony in 2001.
1: Say the Rubin guy's name again. Jason Rubin. Jason Rubin. Yeah, I think I know where he works. I'm going to go with that. Okay. So they're a Sony first party. Yeah, that's what I'm going
2: for. This studio was bought by Sony in 2001. God, there's so many.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The one I'm thinking of is at least a first-party studio, I think. Okay, I'm just going to pick one at random.
2: Okay, question three. Formed in 2006 by Genova Chen and Kelly Santiago, this studio released their first game in 2006 called Flow, which was a PlayStation console and PC exclusive. Questions reformed in 2006 by Genova Chen and Kelly Santiago. They released their first game in 2006 called Flow, for PlayStation consoles and PC.
1: Don't they have a funky title, like, like it's not just one name?
0: I like that game actually. Big fan of that game company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see Big what plan. you're doing there I like them a lot ah, okay. I can't remember their name but I like them a lot Yeah.
2: Okay, question four uh, This studio was founded in 1994 by Ted Prince uh, It was originally called Extreme Software but was re- renamed a year after the company was started uh, They developed the games Fuse which was released in 2013 Song of the Deep, which was released in 2016, and a VR exclusive game called Stormland in 2019. And this is where Ross is turning on his PS4 to try and find. Damn <laughs> <this game>. it! <laughs> it was uh, this company was founded in 1994 by Ted Pry- Ted Price as Extreme Software, but was renamed a year later. They developed the game Fuse, which was released in 2013, Song of the Deep, which was released in 2016, and a VR-exclusive game called Stormland in 2019.
1: You've gone for their most obscure games they've ever made, haven't you? Yes. (laughs) Because (laughs) I can remember who did Fuse, and I can remember a lot of other games by that company.
2: And any other game would have given it away. Yeah. Question five. Founded by (laughs) Tamim Antoinadis... Nina Christensen and Mike Ball in March 2000. This company operated under the name Just Add Monsters. It was acquired by Argonaut Games soon after its founding, but shortly after being bought, Argonaut were liquidated and this company purchased itself from the administrators. They developed Heavenly Sword with Sony and Enslaved Odyssey of the West with Namco Bandai.
1: Oh, I know who is it is That was the, I, I played Enslaved like crazy. Okay. And that,
0: that was a bloody question and a half Jesus
2: Yeah, yeah I'm sorry I'm... Repeat that. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, so question 5 founded by Tamim Antoinadis, Nida Christensen and Mike Ball Bo- in March 2000 this company operated under the name Just Add Monsters it was acquired by Argonaut Games soon after its founding but shortly after being bought Argonaut was liquidated and this company purchased itself from its administrators They developed Heavenly Sword with Sony and enslaved Odyssey of the West with Namco Bandai. That is the longest question I've written down, Mm. so. Congratulations. Ah, Jesus. didn't think that for question three at all, did I? Um, Okay. Question six. This company originated as a mod team for Half-Life 2 and they were based out of the University of Portsmouth and they started in 2007. This team is named after one of American philosophers John Searle's Thought Experiments, and this studio was acquired by Sumo Digital in 2018.
0: See, it's when you say the games, that's what helps me out. Yeah. And now
1: there's no games. (laughs) Although they worked on a a mod for Half-Life. Was that the Black Mesa mod?
2: I'm not going to tell you which mod, because... (laughs) Because the name of the mod is the name of their first game.
1: No. I wonder mm. if I gave it away then. <laughs> no, maybe not. <laughs> maybe I got it completely wrong. Uh... I, I
2: tell you any of their games and you know who it is instantly.
1: Mm. Okay, do you want to try one?
2: Um, Let me try the latest game because I <laughs> don't want to get the name wrong.
1: Is it really obvious? Is it like the people who do half life?
2: <laughs> <laughs> right, their latest game is called Little Orpheus. That doesn't help a lot. Good. Okay, question little, six.
0: Little Orpheus.
2: Little Orpheus. The question six, the company originated as a mod team for Half-Life 2 based at the University of Portsmouth in 2007. The team is named after one of American philosophers John Searle's thought experiments. And this studio was acquired by Sumo Digital in 2018 and their latest game is called Little Orpheus. I think that one stumped us both. <laughs> okay, <It>. never mind. <laughs> Moving on. Okay, uh, question seven. This London-based company was founded by Simon Bennett, Tom Hegarty and John Bib- Ribbins in 2008. They developed a skateboard game that won the BAFTA award for best board game in 2015, and they would urge you to vote Bunny Lord. So, question seven this London based company was founded by Simon Bennett, Tom Hegarty, and John Rivens in 2000. Oh,
0: Jesus, not a hero.
2: Who the fuck made not a hero? They developed a skateboard game that won the BAFTA award for best sport game in 2015. They would urge you to vote Bunny Lord.
0: I fuck made here? I love that game.
1: Ah, oh. you saying? Are you saying Bunny Lord at the end? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what this is at all. Oh, funny. Okay, Bunny Lord.
0: That's really annoying me. <laughs> like, really annoying me. Ah, oh, what was the skate game? Was it skate? Yeah. No, it can't be skate. That was too, 2015. 2015. To what the skate game was, as well. Was it? Was it Ollie? Was it Ollie Ollie? Oh, who the fuck made Ollie Ollie? Oh, Jesus Christ, you
2: made it worse for yourself. <laughs> you know. you were the <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> 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 you've broken him okay question eight this studio was founded in the year 2000 in the ukraine and ireland by ah! french expats <laughs> um, they are named after a nickname that the english used to describe the french and they are best known for creating the adventures of sherlock Holmes series
0: as in crimes and punishments
2: crimes and punishments the devil's daughter etc etc okay question 8 was founded in 2000 in ukraine and ireland by french french expats they are named after a nickname that the english used to describe the french and they are best known for creating the adventures of Sherlock Holmes series
1: i think we talked about them the other uh, on our previous podcast when we were talking about that other game that yes. had all the studio trouble
2: yeah. yes oh my Question nine. I'm,
1: I'm furious
0: with you, by the way. Why? Because I can't get that damn I can't get that damn studio. I'm gonna be thinking about it the entire podcast. Okay. Uh, right.
2: <laughs> I'm not gonna give you a hint. I know, don't <laughs> don't. I'll okay. figure it out, hopefully. Question nine. Um this studio is based in Warsaw, Poland. It's a developer and a publisher. It was formed by members of both CD Project and Metropolis Software. And they developed a game called Frostpunk and published Children of Mortar.
1: Which is a great game.
2: Agreed. So question 9, it was, the studio is based in Warsaw, Poland. It was formed by members of both CD Projekt Red, I say, sorry, CD Projekt and Metropolis Software. And they developed a game called Frostpunk and published a game called Children of Mortar. And finally, question 10. This is a Danish studio based in Copenhagen. The company came together in 2006 to create their first game, Limbo, and their next title will be published by Epic Games.
0: But it's not Fortnite.
2: (laughs) No. In question 10, a Danish studio based in Copenhagen, this company came together in 2006 to create the game Limbo, and their next t- title will be published by Epic Games. It's a bit unfair asking you about Limbo, isn't it, Ross, really, given the ac- anacrom- anac- arachnophobia. God damn it, mouth.
0: Yeah, it's fine. Thanks for bringing it up. It's no problem. It's in a real
2: treat, this quiz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is far drier than I thought it was going to be.
1: I'm pretty confident of that Six. Nice. But, think, so I've definitely missed two of them and I've probably got the other, another one wrong. So six or seven, I think.
0: Okay, I'm sending you them.
1: Yeah, hold on, I'll take a photo.
2: Thank you.
0: You know we've got four reviews going up on the second.
2: We do. I'm
0: two same. of them are up at the same time.
2: Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Why not?
0: Why not, indeed. <laughs> right, let's crack on. Um, we're already at quarter past nine. Okay, so... Our big topic this week is, there's been a little bit of news recently, that PS5 games are running a little better than Xbox Series games. There's been a bit of news circulating that games like Assassin's Creed Valhalla <clears throat> excuse me, are running slightly better on PS5, even though the Series X has got the better specs. Now, Microsoft have acknowledged this, and they've been talking about it. So I'm going to just go into it very quickly, and then we can discuss. So Digital Foundry, those very, very, very clever people uh, were discussing uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. They said, the key takeaway is that PS5 is much closer to the 60 frames target more of the time while Xbox Series X can struggle. If Devil May Cry 5, they said, in terms of correlating on-paper specs to the actual experience, PS5 is either punching above its weight or Series X isn't delivering on its full potential. So there's, there is a little bit of background to this. And... It's appeared that Microsoft is working with developers to resolve these issues. Now, following this, Ubisoft dropped a update for Valhalla, which seemingly makes it look a little better on Xbox Series X, even though the PS5 version has apparently been downgraded. Now, I kind of put this down to just Twitter being Twitter, saying the PS5 version looks less than that. But Digital Foundry did a test, and apparently the PS5 version is now no longer working up to where it was before the update. Which is very interesting. Now, Mister Sean Davies, is there anything here to be suspicious of, and why do you think these games are running a little better on, or I'm saying saying air quotes, but underpowered software? So, hardware, I, I should say. Sorry,
2: this this is pure speculation, um, but I I believe there is there is a reason why some of the Xbox Series games are running a little worse than what you find on playstation that's because and and you'll see that some of the uh, next gen ports and the booster mode and the improved graphics that are coming in the future it will run better on the xbox one because purely because sony's architecture require an entire different build than the last gen version so if you look at um Star Wars Squadrons, for example. Star Wars Squadrons is going to get a bit of a visual enhancement on PS5 when the PS5 version lands, but the Xbox Series X version will be 4K at 60 frames per second and will have all the ray tracing and all the rest of the gubbins included. That's because um, the developers saw that basically to upgrade your Xbox One game, you are allowed to do a patch. And that game was already developed with the Xbox Series and the PS5 in mind. But for the PS5, you have to release an entire new version, and they don't really want to do that. They just want to make the PS4 version as good as it can be on the PS5 and call it the PS5 version. I get the feeling that a lot of Xbox One games that you find have been labelled as Xbox Series X games currently won't run to the maximum of the Xbox Series X power because it's still an Xbox One game, but with a patch on top. Whereas the PS5 version is a different build than the PS4 version. And it's obviously going to be better optimized for the hardware because of that. I think that's where we're at right now. That's pure speculation on my part, but that's what I'm seeing from developers saying, you know, basically, if you want to release a PS4 and a PS5 version, they have to be different builds. And um, I think PS5 players will already know that because when you go to download a game, it will tell you one or the other. There's no smart delivery system that says, "Okay, you've put an Xbox One game into my Xbox Series X. I'm going to download the Xbox Series X patch on top." It's not that way. You download a PS5 game, <laughs> um, or you PS, your, or you play a PS4 game on your PS5. Um, it's it's an interesting situation. I don't think it will be long until either parity is achieved. People are crying foul about this Ubisoft patch for Assassin's Creed. Um, we all know that Assassin's Creed Valhalla had the marketing rights with Ubisoft, and people have been speculating that basically Ubisoft have said you can Sorry, Microsoft have said you can't have a game that was marketed to be best on Xbox Series X being best on on PS5. It's not. It's not possible. That you know we paid you to to say it's going to be best on Xbox Series X, and that's not the case. And people are crying for foul to say that it's been downgraded. I don't think that's the. I don't think that's the case. I think that this has happened numerous times over the last generation, where um, you know you did get, ex, you know, Assassin's Creed Origins was good on release date, and then they released a patch to fix some things, and the framework got a bit worse. I think it's just. I think it's just a, a collateral damage to the to patch that's been released. I don't think Ubisoft have purposely made the PS5 version worse. And from what I've seen, it's the the downgrade as, as as that has been described is virtually nothing. You know, it's it's not even worth writing down about. You know, the only people that notice are Digital Foundry, you know, and this, this one guy on, on YouTube who's crying foul. I don't think it's as much of a bigger deal as people are making out. And I don't think it's been done on purpose. I just think it's the way that the, the games have been developed and that the, the patches that have been released uh, you know, the PS5 patch might have been running at a at a different um uh, different builds than the Xbox series one and you know there's different things that go into both. It could be anything. I don't think there's anything to be foul about. And if there is, I mean that's that's really shitty of Microsoft. And I mm. don't think that's the case. But if it is, then fuck Microsoft.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean on the surface it's very petty differences, isn't it? I mean I'm sure. I don't have Valhalla yet, but I'm sure it's looking just as amazing on PS5 as it is on PS on Xbox Series X.
2: Yeah, I mean, M4G even like this. This was the hottest story on M4G for two days. And first, it was the PS5 version of Valhalla has been downgraded. Everyone going, Microsoft have written them a big check to make the downgrade the PS5 version. This is unfair. And the next day was actually the downgrade isn't really a downgrade. It, it's it's there's a bit of a difference, but it's not a massive one. And everyone's going. Oh, I bet everyone's they said that the Microsoft was paying and was acting a bit weird. Now, Hey, yeah, It's all kicking off. Are they all from um, Liverpool? Apparently, okay. <laughs> no one else uses them, fortunately. Apparently, <laughs> just just <laughs> Liverpoolians.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Uh, well, The Verge said uh, the website The Verge, of course, uh, said Microsoft lagged behind Sony pre-launch in terms of developer support, and the PS5 dev kits were made available long before Xbox Series X dev kits were distributed. The Suggestion is the situation will be different six months to a year down the line as developers get to grips with the new consoles. That's not an excuse, is it really?
2: Um, no, I mean, and what I have heard from developers is that the tools, um, for the PS5, so you know, the ICE team that basically have this development team in house that do tools for development, they the PS5 version of the, the dev, dev tools are sublime. Hmm. Um, people, you know, there's a lot of developer chat about how the PS5 is is remarkably easy to develop for, despite the fact that its architecture is a bit different than people are used to. Um, and I've not heard anything like that about the Xbox Series X. I've just heard, yeah, it's an Xbox One, but super-powered.
0: So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what we have with the Xbox Series consoles. Uh, Toby, what's your take on all of this
1: madness? I don't have a huge, uh, huge take on this, really, um, but I mean it sounds like it's not so much an excuse as a reality you know they these are these things are going to come out at a particular time and you can't necessarily have everyone up to speed with being able to develop on a brand new console day one um so I do think that you're going to have these kind of teething problems with a number of games um over launch and probably over the next you know one to two quarters um you know while people get used to it and and know how to you know properly deal with an ssd drive and you know how to design games slightly differently and how to make them work properly and all that kind of stuff i think it's i think the most interesting bit is maybe not valhalla and such but just how microsoft have had to change their marketing so um where they've been claiming that they were the most powerful console for you know we've been seeing that for months up to release it's suddenly not like that it's not it's not really being shown very often that that um the most powerful console etc they've been saying that playstation 5 you know is actually able to run a number of games better than the than the uh, series x so they've sort of gone back a little bit on that um, on that marketing had to backtrack their their uh, their spiel a bit which i think it's interesting i suppose the last thing i'd say is that it's one of those reasons that i said the other week or two before where these are reasons you don't need a next-gen console just yet these these games are exactly like Sean says they are ps4 games with a patch on top or they have been you know enhanced a little bit to do a few new things that um, you know like haptic feedback or whatever there's not any fundamental structural difference to these games apart from a few little bits of graphical tweaking um you know frame rates and such that's it so you don't really need the the different console to do it and i know you both have got a new a new console and I'm jealous I want one the point is just that you don't Need it? You can want it, and you can get it, and you'll get all these extra stuff on top. But yeah, this just—it's is it's just a symptom, I think, of um of that same issue that um they've they've these games we're all talking about as next gen games are not next gen games. Sounds exactly
0: like someone who hasn't got a PS Five would say. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I think I think <laughs> I am a little biased, but you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, very happy PS Fives today. Really?
0: Yeah, and. Basically, no one knew until they were all sold out. Yeah. And then they very realised that they overpromised and cancelled all the orders. Really? Yeah, so this mess is just continuing. It's just going on and on and on. God.
1: They, um, Sony have been saying that there's going to be PS5 stock before Christmas um, in loads of places, but I suppose that'll segue yeah. into our next topic. Lovely Maybe segue, Toby.
0: Lovely, <laughs>
1: lovely segue
0: into our next story, which is the Xbox and PlayStation 5, despite all of this, very nerdy Digital foundry s nonsense, have had each of them their biggest game console launches ever, which is absolutely insane, especially this year. Uh, This week, Sony went out and tweeted, We want to thank Gamers Everywhere for making the PS5 launch our biggest console launch ever. Demand for PS5 is unprecedented, so we want to confirm that more PS5 inventory will be coming to retailers before the end of the year. Please stay in touch with your local retailers, which is what they tweeted on November 25th. Now of course that means nothing because a hundred thousand people were in the queue for curries to get one and nobody got one. So it's you know, you can take that with a pinch of salt. But what it does mean is that PlayStation have absolutely smashed the release of the console. Of course, we know that not everyone that wants one has got one, like Toby. But what it does mean is that games are in a very healthy shape, especially with the Xbox selling as well and having Xbox having the biggest ever launch in Japan, which is fantastic news from Microsoft who have struggled in that region for a long long time and, you know as fans of the industry we hear all the time that games the industry is failing and that disc sales are going down and console sales are going to go down eventually and we're going to all move to streaming but that doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime soon and it seems like outsiders really want to see the industry crash again for whatever reason uh tell me why is that why do people not think that the video game industry has legs and is going to be sustainable
1: when we see numbers like this jeez i i can't, i can 't quite fathom why people want that to be the case i mean th- these great big industries like the um like the film industry as well where you you know put these massive budgets into things and then you know they 've got to sell a certain number otherwise they, you know they, these companies can crash and burn based on you know their big blockbusters versus the little games and things that keep them af- that keep them afloat. It's it's a system that you know it can kill off companies. We've seen it happen. So maybe it's just something, that's a, a symptom again of something that you know people sort of want to see that kind of thing fail. They want to see um, you know big companies, big giants, and 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 media companies fall because um, it's kind of fun, you know, if you're a troll to see that kind of thing happen. Um, whereas if you're a fan of the, you know, the company itself, you don't want to see them go down. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm mortified that um, Square Enix has sold so badly with um, Avengers because I love Square Enix's other products. Um, I just haven't bought Ave- Avengers. I feel like I've betrayed them to a certain extent um, because you know i want them to release as many final fantasies as they can keep making final Fantasies. i mean i mean you say that but you've talked a lot of shit about avengers on this podcast i have i have and i don't <laughs> want avengers <laughs> um but god's think, go I, but, anything else just not exactly. avengers <laughs> why did you go there you know i i, I quite like your other output um so yeah i mean the, the the other stuff you're mentioning the um the actual sort of sales and stuff the, the amount of ps5s they must have sold um, must be crazy, considering they weren 't even able to get you know the amount that people actually want and we know that there 's you know a good two hundred and fifty thousand or so people in the u k who would buy one straight away and were in the queues and things um and we know that you know there 's probably more than that around and I think how many millions there must be in the u k in the u s and and Japan and the rest of europe and things it's um, it's crazy they've they 've got a, a a target on here um that i 'm looking at that says uh, seven point six million consoles to be sold um this ps5 this is by the end of march 2021 so they've got four more months to sell 7.6 million and they're already thinking they've smashed their targets of you know opening weeks and things which on the ps4 sales i think was two million or so in the first two weeks so if they've smashed that then, then maybe they're on like three million or something but with but they're unable to now meet demand um so they've got to make what four million maybe or three million consoles mm. in the next four months That seems like a tall order personally the, it's the making of them that actually makes me think that they might not manage it um rather than the selling of them the selling of them will be will be easy um so yeah it's it's interesting it's really interesting that they've managed to smash targets like that in the middle of a pandemic and the middle of a lot the pretty much the worst pre-order uh debacle i've seen in years
0: yeah i mean it's it is amazing when you think about what they've had to do to get this thing even out the door. Yeah. And at this time, yeah, there is VGC did post today. Um, this has not been confirmed, but PlayStation five has broken the record for the UK's biggest ever console launch, not just PlayStation, just in history. Mm. Um, sold at 250,000 units in 20, in 48 hours with the series X at, and series X and S at 155,000 units. So, you know, there was plenty to go around, just not enough. And, you worry that that's going to be the case for some time. But, you know, yeah. you can't argue with it. It's fantastic numbers. And you've got to be uh, an idiot to write off the games, the games industry, I think, for the foreseeable future, especially this generation.
1: Do you think it's also people who just don't really understand it? So, you know, you, you can talk to anyone of a, of a certain age and above about gaming... And they won't have a clue what you're talking about, will deride it and say that it's you know it doesn't make, make any sense, or mm. you know why would you waste your life doing this, that and the other um and you know you're talking to a boomer as soon as they start saying stuff like that, so it's um it's possible it's just people who don't understand it wishing ill on something that they aren't involved in
0: damn boomers yeah, I mean it's the biggest entertainment industry in the entire world, yeah, and it has been for a long, long time and is it is it just the fact that it's that you have to do something to make it work. Like music and movies, you just kind of sit there and just let it happen to you. And, you know, video games, it's obviously an interactive medium. People are like, Oh no, <laughs> I,
1: don't want to play I, game. Think, I don't know if it's their interactivity. I think it's the fact they just write it off because it's, it's like it's fantasy and sci-fi and, you know, that sort of, that sort of image is what dominates the, you know the, the their 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 idea of what gaming is mm. um and i think a lot of you know a lot of people sort of go well you know i'm not into great big fantasy things and sci-fi things and this that and the other and powers and magic and you know even if a game isn't fantasy and sci-fi you're still going to find that you can do all sorts of crazy things in it and and you know and sports games for sports they don't understand or racing games you know it, it doesn't really matter which thing it is it's just a lot of stuff that um that people just think that's for geeks, or that's for you yeah. know, that's for a different counterculture that I'm not part of, and they they just don't make the effort to understand it, and therefore I think a lot of them were shill on it at the same time.
0: Yeah, it's a real shame because there's such, you know, especially in the last seven years has been such great storytelling in video games, mm. and you know people really seem to be missing out. But anyway, that's uh, that's by the by. Uh, Sean, what do you make of these numbers? Are we going to see Sony fulfill their sales target by april or do you think it's still going to be a real struggle to get one of these things
2: i hope so i i imagine they are doing everything they possibly can to make enough of them Um the current estimate is that they have sold 2.5 million um with the shipments that have gone out already and there is nothing left of that i imagine the next uh shipment will be around that will be around 2.5 million Um so i imagine that's how many are going to go out around the world Um, And then the next shipment will probably be after Christmas. And then you're probably looking at, you know, the the demand will wane a little bit because, sorry, wane wane a little bit. (laughs) And, um, you know, people will will not want it to put under a Christmas tree so much. So there's a possibility they're going to hit that amount. I imagine they've they've estimated pretty much bang on what they're going to sell, to be honest, because they have got pretty good at estimating how many they're going to sell it's it's really interesting that um I saw a, a video today that um one of my somebody I follow on twitter had posted up about the p s two launch and how in france there was like um there was brawls in the street um over playstations there was a couple of hundreds in each store and there was queues of thousands outside and they were fighting and and scrapping just to try and get hold of a playstation two I'm thinking to myself, yeah. That's where we're at with the PlayStation 5. That's where we're at with the Xbox Series S and X. Mm. Um, this, this, this isn't, this isn't a, a, a declining industry. This is the same place it was 20 years ago. And it's really exciting. Yeah. I'm so yeah, happy man. for it.
0: Yeah, it's just great. It's just it, it's awesome to see. I mean, with the, the pre-order issue, we went into it a little bit last week, but it's it's just continuing to happen and it probably will now until early next year. Phil Spencer was talking this week about different ways to secure a console rather than just trying to go onto broken websites.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Saying, we've had real discussions internally about should I be able to reserve my slot? I'll put some money down and then my machine's getting built January 20th and I'll get it on February 1st. We have customers that would do that today. And he's right. You know, if it was a guaranteed thing. You could say, Toby could go on the PS, PS5 website now and say, right, here's a deposit for a console. When it's ready, whenever it is, just send it out to me. And instead of trying to jump over queues and trying to get one down, is there a better system than what we have now? I am not. I don't suggest we have any idea what that could be, but I mean, there has to be, doesn't there? After the pre-order system fucked up so badly this year. Do you think Sony and Microsoft are in a position to say, right, we need to maybe come together and work this out because it's, a, it's an absolute nightmare.
2: Yeah, I think the problem is that the current stock levels at each one of these websites could not be updated as quick enough to match the amount that they were selling and the number of people that were sitting in those queues. I imagine that if we were to go to a place where they they could buy a console direct from the manufacturer, which would be Microsoft and Sony, I imagine both Microsoft and Sony would quite like that because they're getting maximum profits out of their console and basically to be able to say, okay here's a deposit of £20, mine will be coming in March. You know, if you know that for sure, and Microsoft and Sony can measure their stock levels and, and their manufacturing lines to be able to save that for definite, then I imagine a lot of people would go for that. But the, the effect of that is that you're basically killing off the high street. And I'm not sure Sony and Microsoft are, are want to do that just yet. I know they are very keen on having their their brick their their digital stores you know front and center and getting everyone through digital but if you do kill off the the, the brick and mortar stores you are basically you know culling one of the biggest way that people buy consoles in any traditional year obviously this year is completely fucked this year is an anomaly no one bought a console in the way that they would probably would like to this year but it's surprising the, a number of people that were still getting in contact with game and saying do I come to you to pick up your the console this year because I ordered in store. And, you know, to do that, you would basically remove the need for game. Um, obviously, GameStation's gone. You know, Argos's game section would disappear. Um, Smith's Toys would disappear. You know, all these gaming sections would just disappear because there's no need for them. Can they,
0: can they continue alongside them, though? I mean, if th- this was specifically just for pre-orders... Once they've caught out with that chain, then they they can start to supply these stores more regularly.
2: Yeah, and eventually, yeah, you are going to do that. But the problem is, would you say to customers, you give me £20 and you can have one in March, um, and then people will come in and go, yeah, okay, March is sold out, but I'll take one in April. Okay, I'll take one in May. I'll take one in June. And eventually, you've got nothing for the store shelves. You know, (laughs) I don't think they trust themselves, people to just say, Yeah, order direct from us. Because there are companies that do that and they have absolutely no presence in stores.
0: Hmm. Yeah, listen, it's a a tough one to crack, isn't it, this one? Because the system is obviously failing now. It's a system that we've had for years and years and years, all these these pre-order ones. I didn't pre-order a PS4. I went to Asda and I queued up at midnight and I got one. But that just wasn't possible this year. And... There's that there doesn't seem to be a way ahead that satisfies everyone that isn't just dying on computers for an hour, just trying to get in a queue.
2: Yeah, I mean, if if retailers could actually, what what would be great is if the retailers could sort out their problems. You know, that's that's where the problems lie. You know, they they have a stock and they need to tell people, okay, there are ten thousand consoles that we have been allocated. There are currently eleven thousand people in this queue. 1,000 of you are not going to get this console. If you are number 10,009, sure, hang in the queue just in case somebody cancels their order or doesn't go through with it. But also, you know, come on. They need to be more upfront with customers and then the queue yeah. system needs to work.
1: I think um, game was close to that. So, you know, things like Curry's and such obviously just imploded, but um, <laughs> game had a thing where you were queuing or you know, you'd know you have like a, an hour's time frame that you were queuing for um, and you wouldn't be in that queue unless they still had stock at the time. You know, it, would, it would kick you out of the queue if there was no stock left. I got to the end of the queue. I was allowed then half an hour to order you know, along with however many other people had got to the end of the queue at that same moment, which was probably going to be a couple of hundred people. But there was enough at the moment I got off the queue. I just then wasn't fast enough. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of halfway to being the right sort of plan. So, having that queue system and knowing that you, you, there was still stock while that queue was still happening, but then when you got there, it still had the same problem as all the other websites that everyone was just, you know, once they got in the, at the end of the queue, there was a Scrabble, like there's, you know, Black Friday sale Scrabble at the end. So, it, it didn't work at the, at the, at the final hurdle.
2: Hmm.
1: I just I say that as well, it didn't work for me.
2: <laughs> um, it clearly it worked free.
1: for a few other people. Um, it didn't work for like 100,000 other people.
0: Yeah. it's just the,
2: See the thing is as well that it it worked the first time round. Do you know when pre-orders first opened? You do know, oh, you remember that it.
0: though? Do you remember they 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 dropped the PS Five showcase, and they dropped the date and the price, and then game opened their pre-orders at midnight, before yeah. Sony kind of had gave <laughs> gave them the green light to do it, and it just went completely bonkers.
2: Yes, but that wasn't that wasn't Sony's
0: fault, was it? It wasn't, but it was again the retailer jumping the gun. Because Game went live, and so presumably every other website went, oh, shit, they've gone live (laughs) with their orders. So Amazon went live, and Invariant, and Currys, and all these people. And it's like, and Sony's just at the back going, "Uh, guys, hang on, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And it just there was this complete catastrophe. And then a little bit later on with the second round of pre-orders, which is when I got mine, you know, that was a lot easier. It was a lot more streamlined. It was still busy and crazy in certain places. But, you know, do you think retailers are to blame a little bit for this debacle?
2: Oh, for sure. Hmm. I think most of it lies at the feet of the retailers, to be honest. You yeah, because Sony can only produce so many PS5s. Yeah, and those retailers should know how many of those PS5s they're going to get. They hmm. can't. So they shouldn't be able to sell more than that. And if they are, they need to f- sort the system out. You know, get a better server to keep better track of who's bought what.
1: I Fundamentally, disagree with how the pre order system worked this time around because you're meant to have as many PS5s in, or whatever being made that would then, you know, match up to the number of pre-orders that have been made. But it doesn't, you know, if if, if we had a system, if, if they weren't able to make enough, like they haven't been this, able this year, then you should then get something a little bit like Ross said, which is that, you know, you're in, you're in the December batch, you're in the January batch, you're in the February batch. And that just go, you know, that should just be everyone who wanted to pre-order one done, right? And then there should be nothing left for launch day, to be perfectly honest. If they can't make enough, then the pre-orders should have been, you know, if, if there were seven million people who were going to buy one by March, and they weren't going to be able to make any, weren't going to be able to make seven million by March anyway, then all the pre-orders should have there should have been seven million pre-orders. Right? I should have had a pre-order and been able to still pre-order it, because that's how it should, that's what pre-ordering should mean. But it hasn't meant that because they haven't been able to produce that many. So, it, I I know you're saying it relies at the heart of the retailers, but if Sony know and have created a Console that they cannot make fast enough for demand. That is then on Sony, not the retailers.
2: Well, I mean, no, that's. <laughs> I, I see what you're saying, but the pre order has not, not existed in those terms for decades. You know, if you pre order a game, that doesn't mean that that game is getting delivered to the store earmarked for you, it's just getting delivered as part of a batch and they know they're getting 20. You know, it's. But if,
1: they, but if they've ordered. Uh, if they've had pre-orders for forty, they'll get forty in.
2: Yes, well, they'll they get a lot more than that, obviously.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. If they if if they've got pre-orders for seven million PS5s, then yeah. they need to get enough PS5s in, and they can't do that.
2: Yeah, they would, and let's be honest. They were never going to meet the demand. They could make <laughs> seven million, and they would they would sell out seven seven million. If they were to give out ten million before Christmas, they would all be gone.
1: This is why I think the cycle is just going to carry on. Um, until oh, they, the other thing we've not discussed here is that um, the eBay have uh, started clamping down on the scalpers. So they're Excellent. they're trying it's to awesome. start. They're trying to stop the scalping from uh, from working. This I wouldn't be able to go into much detail about how it works, but look it up. There's there's something afoot that eBay are trying to do.
2: You know the the, the, the scalpers. As I imagine, they are making quite a lot of money from this. Um but I get to the feeling that that a lot of the people that would buy a playstation five for a grand i think they've already whittled themselves out i don't I don't think that there's many people going to be buying p s fives for a thousand pounds anymore there's
1: Uh, here we go ebay have said that they've um they're they're stopping all of the ones that are not really a ps5 right so if it's something like a a photo of a ps5 that a lot of people are spending a thousand pounds to get a photo of a ps5
2: yeah
1: yeah, then those have all been culled anyone who's got a box or you know just just a a ps5 box without the console or anything where it's not real and and therefore the you know ones that we would have had before where it's like i've got a receipt for whatever pre-order um then those are all being taken down so it's it, it's it's going in the right
2: direction i did see a, a cracking one on ebay with something like 18 bids for an xbox one x sorry xbox series x box yeah and, <laughs> <laughs> and there's lots and lots of people bidding on it and i don't think any of them had read that listing <laughs> <laughs> yeah i
0: mean another thing is the scalpers i didn't want to give them attention but it's I think they they managed to get like three and a half thousand PS5s Mm. and over 1,800 Xbox Series X or S. And their response was something akin to like, well, tough shit, you know, snooze you lose kind of thing. Like all of our scalpers, they're, they're furloughed workers and you know, they need money. It's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't get to do that. You don't get to pull that card when you're manipulating a system to win. You know, they're cheating their way to the front of the queue. Um and I'm not going to be guilt tripped by people that lost their job because they're fucking over a lot of other people.
1: There was a system of some kind that um, you could buy into like a like a pool um where you then were able to secure a bot. And the bot would then secure you a number of PlayStation Fives whenever there was um, stock available, and then you can sell those on for you know a thousand pounds a console or whatever. But they're finding that um, yeah. uh, these scalpers are putting up advertising where they wouldn't normally be doing so, because they're finding it really hard to push that stock now, um, because no one was no one wants to spend a thousand pounds on a on a PS5. Um, you know, apart from like you say, Sean, the people who've already done it, um, and so they're being left with loads and loads of stock that they can't actually shift. So um, I think they'll you'll we'll find that if the more and more people do get a PS5 for the or, or Xbox Series X for you know for the amount that they should for the RRP, then the less and less of these scalpers, or or the more they'll come down in price. The more they'll go mm. towards the seven hundreds and then six hundreds and then five hundreds, and people actually start snapping them up.
0: Yeah, there's people on my local Facebook marketplace that aren't don't have PS fives yet, but they have pre orders and they're essentially selling the pre order.
1: Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah, there's a lot Which, of that on, on eBay. A lot. And
0: uh yeah, there's eight hundred pounds, nine hundred pounds. You know, it's just it's getting way
1: out of control. And <laughs> I just really hope that people don't fucking fall for it. We'll see. If those if those prices came down to around the five hundred and fifty mark, I reckon they'd sell lots of them. Yeah. There'd be loads and loads of people who go, yeah, an extra hundred, fine. But an extra five hundred? No way. No one's doing that. Do
0: you pay five fifty for a four fifty PS Five?
1: Well, I might be tempted to pay five fifty if I knew that I wasn't going to be able to get one any other way for four months. Do you know what I mean? Like that kind of a scenario.
0: There you go, scalpers. Make yourself hundred quid off Toby.
1: Yeah. If you want to sell it for five hundred fifty, <laughs> and then and then I'll sell it for eight hundred. No. <laughs> the system works. <laughs> I won't sell it. I won't. No. <laughs> we,
2: if we need to talk, talk about this, that, like, currently the internet is saying that the scalpers have all of the stock. You know, it's, the scalpers managed to get hold of huge numbers of stock. And, you know, on, on, on the face of it, three and a half thousand PS5s is a lot. But if they did ship and sell 2.5 million of them, that's fuck all. So, you know, I think maybe a lot of these toys have been, been blown out of proportion. But PS5. if they didn't do
0: that, Toby might have a PS5 right now.
2: Yeah, buggers. No, everyone's has a PS5. He's so fucking unlucky. Yeah, he, true. He nipped out to do an errand and all of them went. <laughs> and Paul got one. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's not even going to use it. <laughs> oh my God. The guy oh. who, was, who was saying he was going to sell his PS4 just six months ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. Got a so PS5. Well, I played Dasher's Playroom. It was fucking shit, so I sold it. Yeah. <laughs> If he wants to sell it, I'll be there first. Give it, give it three months. We'll go, Toby. Drop my PS5. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, you're, yeah.
2: you're only turned on once. Don't worry.
0: <laughs> yeah. Despite all this, PlayStation Five biggest ever console launch. I mean, that's a that's an incredible thing, and I really hope that if you're out there listening, wanting to get one, that you get one sooner rather than later. Just don't pay over the odds for one because it's just not worth it. I mean, it is worth it. Ashley's playroom is pretty awesome, but. You know what I mean? It's not worth it. Uh, Finally, um, a little bit of news. uh, Very quickly, HBO have greenlit a full season of the TV adaptation of The Last of Us. Now, there's no real information yet. We just know that there's a full series coming. Neil Druckmann is directly involved as a writer and executive producer, which is very, very cool. It's been made by PlayStation PlayStation Productions, Word Games, and of course, Naughty Dog. Directly for HBO's... uh, tv series tv assuming it's their tv and their streaming service uh, no word on what how it's going to be seen over here probably sky atlantic the way the hbo stuff goes there for a fair bit but we shall see uh, what i did want to bring up about this is we still don't know casting so i'm going to go dream casting to toby and sean joel ellie basically anyone from the last of us world you can think of who would you want
1: playing them toby anderson I can never remember people's names. Um, who's the girl who plays um, to, uh, Beyond Two Souls? Ellen Page. Ellen Page. Ellen Page, is, Ellen Page is way too old for Ellie. Yeah,
0: but she can play pretty young. Didn't she get really <laughs> pissed off with Naughty Dog in, when, when the first trailer was dropped for the original Last of Us? And Ellie looked so much like her that she nearly sued
1: yeah, that's Forever probably what I'm getting from. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm thinking uh, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe she is too old now, but she's been doing stuff in the Umbrella Academy thing where she could probably play someone of Ellie's age without yeah, too much trouble. Um, so yeah, that that's probably the first one that comes to mind. Joel, what about you,
2: Sean? I I don't know because i have not really I've I've not finished it. So i have not <laughs> finished the first game, and I've not played any of the second games. I don't want to spoil <laughs> the first one. So. I mean, Josh Brolin would, would be an ideal Joel, I think. I think he'd be a good Joel. Mm. But I'll be honest with you, I don't really know the characters enough to really think of a casting. I'm sorry I'm shit on this topic. <laughs> I've, st- I've, st- I've still got the big game Fear last of Us, so.
1: How far are you in yeah, it? Yeah, I'd struggle to think of anyone else to be like Abby or something, I think.
2: Um, I'm, I've just come out of the subway for the second time on the first game. Oh, damn. You've got a way to go. Yeah, In- why are you and- sleeping
1: on Last of Us?
2: Why am I sleeping on the Last of Us? Because I've got thirteen fucking re- games to review every month. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still getting through Code Vein. Come when you can do it. Jesus Christ!
1: <laughs> it's a big game not to have played. That's all.
2: Um Who would you yeah. cast
1: as Joel? Toby. I think Josh Brolin is a pretty good, a pretty good one, mm. um, as 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 options go. Just trying to think who, who has that sort of grizzled face. The guy who turned up in the Mandalorian in um in the first episode of the second season, what's his name? Tim Timothy Oliphant. Timothy Oliphant if, if he put on some weight, he might make a, a interesting ish Joel. I don't know, I can't think of many. I was more more impressed by the fact that they've managed to get a guy called Craig Mazin to be to to direct and, and produce this thing. He's the guy mm. who did Chernobyl. Chernobyl, yeah and that was a fantastic drama series. Um, I know it's only five episodes but it was amazing.
0: Um, yeah, I watched not
1: that last year, really good.
0: They're not they're not fucking around with this uh, No. With this adaptation. And
1: that's, uh, I think we've said before that you know video game adaptations generally and then you know they they're not of the the highest calibre of, of stuff you can watch. Um, mm. but if they're going to bring on, you know, some talent like that, that's um that's quite encouraging.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he did say, actually, recently to the BBC, he said, uh, quote, Our goal is not to keep you in love with The Last of Us. It's to make you fall in love with it again in a different way. It's a passive way of taking it in instead of playing it, but you'll be experiencing more, with more characters in more ways. I think we've got something good going. If you played the game, our intention is that you will watch the show and say, This has violated nothing of what I loved about the game and what I witnessed in that game. But it's also brought me a lot more. Things I did not know. Really amazing things. End quote. So it looks like they are keeping to the story of the original game. So I, maybe Abby won't be involved in this one I'm not sure. Well maybe it's, not yet. Maybe, maybe not, not in the first season, season yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot to uh, unpack there but I'd like Guy Pearce as Joel for some reason. Whenever yeah. someone like mentions because the big one on the internet is Hugh Jackman and I can't I, I can see it from a visual standpoint especially with like Logan. He does look like Joel throughout Logan. But he was also Jean-Valjean in Les Mis and He's also the greatest showman. And, and you can't get those out of your head. Yeah, it would just take me out of it
2: completely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just worries me that uh, he might break into song at any moment. And so, yeah, I'm not, in, I'm not down with Hugh Jackman. I'm thinking Caitlin Dever would be amazing as Ellie. She was in Booksmart and a Netflix oh, the, series called... Yeah, I'm, I know who you mean. Uh, she kind of has... She looks like Ellie. And I think she's obviously playing younger in her in her movies but i don't know i think i think she'd be about the right age for it to work so i'd like to see her it, it's not they might just cast two complete unknowns we shall see yeah guy pierce has a guy pierce did a um did a film i think it was called the road and he just it's basically just a film about joel to be honest <laughs> he looks he looks fantastic in it and it was it was that that made me go huh That
1: could the be just yeah
2: wasn't that the guy who played um uh, Aragon in Lord of the Rings v-
1: Vigo Mortensen
0: yeah yeah okay it's not the road then it's something else
2: but Vigo it... Mortensen then I, actually yeah good show
0: that would be a good shout. actually yeah okay fine we solved it we've done it
2: or oh, Russell Crowe these days <laughs> <laughs> Russell, <laughs>
0: Russell, Russell Crowe could play two Jules built into each other <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah I'd like to, I'd like to see Russell Crowe play Fat Drake in the Uncharted movie <laughs> <laughs> retired Nathan Drake you know like the donut drake from the first game i don't know if you've ever played the first game in multiplayer but they had like a an extra skin where it was just like super fat drake that's russell crowe right now very funny
0: <laughs> oh russell crowe he's very much enjoying lockdown being a multimillionaire i'd imagine
2: yeah did he have to sell some of his stuff before lockdown just to stay afloat did i, did I imagine that
0: i think i read that somewhere yeah wow well, Um, I'm going to send you a picture of Guy Pearce in this film, into the Slack. Okay. And um,
1: I still can't remember the film, but...
2: Oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah,
1: maybe. I can see a a sort of grizzled Joel in there somewhere.
0: Yeah. Somebody wanted Troy Baker. I was like, that's not going to (laughs) happen. First thing, Troy Baker, obviously he'll get the voice down, but he's far too pretty to play Joel. Uh, Joel's a grizzled broken human being and Troy Baker's like made out of marble I don't know if it would work
1: (laughs) I'm just looking down the list here that um, Empire drew up uh, six years ago now for ten actors who could play Joel and they have literally gone through the same steps we have (laughs) Hugh Jackman, Russell Crowe Gerard Butler, which I think is a terrible shout uh, Josh Brolin Viggo Mortensen (laughs) Um, and then they're on to at the end Dylan McDermott um, Carl Urban so the guy from the boys He might make an he's a bit he's a bit over the they top shall. but but maybe Liam Neeson and Bradley Cooper and Bruce Campbell <laughs> Bruce Campbell as in the evil dead
2: uh yeah the fuck interesting <laughs> <laughs> that's their list <laughs> hmm. okay no
1: <laughs> i'm not no. with all of them i'll give you that <laughs> No, but yeah, Carl Urban might be a good jump. Josh great Brolin, the- judging by the picture here from No Country for Old Men, he's got a face for it for sure.
2: Hmm. I'm I'm hoping that Carl Urban's far too busy doing Dread 2. Or the T V show that he's apparently supposed to be in. So Or well, the Sorry. Boys. You're not the watching boys. the boys. I oh, yeah, I'm watching I'm watching the boys, but I'm hoping that he's he's far too busy doing Dread Two. Uh, mm. he was signed up for Dread a little while back when um, Rebellion started that whole TV studio thing.
0: Right. Yeah. He was killed in Ragnarok, wasn't he? He's not alive in the MCU anymore.
2: Um, uh, This is the MCU.
0: Yeah, true. Anything can happen.
2: Quicksilver's back next time. No, don't worry.
0: Um, has everyone seen Ahsoka in The Mandalorian this week? Spoiler alert. <laughs> it's not a spoiler alert. If
1: you've watched, watching it, you know it was happening. Uh, yes, I have. Ooh, what did you think? um well when it took me about 5 seconds 10 seconds to work out who it was and i was like it's rosario dawson mm. um and i thought that's fantastic casting um i think i was talking about this with my friend the other day which that one of the reasons i like the mandalorian so much is that it's um it doesn't have any jedi in it right it's one of the things where han solo and leia are there in the original movies and you know it's something that was missing in the prequel movies because they were just so jedi centric it's nice not to have jedi sometimes it's nice to have other people that you can relate to who are not mystic monks with like barely veiled scientology behind what they're doing it, it's i i personally like it when it's han solo or you know boba fett or the mandalorian that's why it's been so good and then suddenly we've got Jedi and I'm like, as long as they're just in like every other, every couple episodes or something, then fine. But if we start going like massively Jedi, it's going to ruin it. Mm, It's true.
0: But I think there's only one so far. I think it'd be right. There's
1: only one and she was great and she's probably one of my favorite Jedi. So that's fine. Yeah. But yeah, I just don't want it to go full on force Jedi stuff.
0: Yeah, that's fair. If
1: you're listening to this and haven't checked out
0: the Mandalorian, the second series is just fantastic absolutely belt it. Every episode is better than the one before it.
2: I I have beef with Ahsoka's uh, appearance in this show.
1: Oh, jeez. Here we go. Is it to do with her tentacles?
2: No, it's to do with the fact that she's often referred to as a Jedi, which she's not. Mm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll
1: give you that as well.
2: <laughs> it's, it's just that, like, if, you know, the, the Clone Wars put on, you know, put a very kind of poignant end on her story arc and... She, she would not like to be referred to as a Jedi, despite the fact that, you know, during this entire TV show, she was referred to as such. And the fact that both are canon now, and now just, they've got to try and explain what happens between the end of Clone Wars and this episode now.
1: Maybe she's just owning the fact that there's like basically five of them left, you know, and she's just going to have to she, pretend, just going to have to be a Jedi
2: now, isn't she? There's no one it, left. Have, have, you, have you seen Clone Wars? Uh,
1: she left the, she left the um, order, didn't she? At the end?
2: She left the order. And then I don't know, have you, have you seen the last episodes?
1: I'm not sure if I know it enough in enough detail, but okay, you can tell well,
2: me. It, you would know. You would know what I'm referring to if if you'd seen them. Um, but yeah, she, she is absolutely not, not not part of it anymore. And it's just she is now. Okay, I guess. God damn we'll, it. well, we'll see. It's just irritated me. <laughs> if you're going to write a show that's going to be canon, just make it fucking canon. You know what I mean? That's
1: weird as well because Dave Filoni is like involved massively in all of those. I don't, you know. All the and I, don't under,
2: I don't understand why they dropped the ball like they have done.
0: Yeah.
1: Ifaluni being the director of the episode that Ahsoka was in, uh, yeah, and he's been massively involved in all of the storyline um, with Jon Favreau for the Mandalorian.
2: Yeah, it's going to be fine, Jon. Don't worry.
0: No,
2: <laughs> I, I absolutely have. I have faith that they're going to deliver. It's just, it's just a small detail that I think to myself, that was a very cool ending that they gave Ahsoka and Clone Wars, and then they just kind of got pissed on it with this. And I guess this is the new hot thing, so you know whatever.
0: I don't know if they have. Ahsoka's a lot older in this than she was in Rebels. Yeah, I think she's a she's a a, a, a grizzled Ahsoka. I think Rosario Dawson played her with a bit more calm. Um, but yeah, she was still
2: a badass. So that's, him. that's when
1: she comes, she comes back in Rebels. Does she refer to herself as a rebel? Uh, sorry, a Jedi then?
2: Uh, no. She, she uh, you know, there are the Sith, the Jedi, and then there are the people in the middle. She's the people in the middle. I just has- wonder if
1: it's a case of ownership, like I said before. So th- because there's only a handful of them left, she's decided to take that mantle on, but change it into what she wants, just like kind of Luke was doing. Yeah. It's, it's the grey <laughs> Jedi. Do you remember all that grey Jedi stuff that was around at one point? Yeah. Uh, they're, not, they're not light or dark. They're just grey, but they can still be Jedi.
2: Yeah, they're not, though.
1: <laughs> they're not. I know, because they're not following the teachings.
2: That's right. Like, when the episode was called The Jedi, I was like, here we go.
1: <laughs> You're already <laughs> disappointed at that from off, I'm like,
2: no. <laughs> anyway, let's move on.
0: Anyway, yeah, we do go on a tangent, but I just wanted to drop that in there before the end, because it was a big uh, big story in our gaming nerdy culture this week. Right then, let's crack on with the Indie Corner
2: Sorry if you can hear some, like kind of purring. My cat's just decided to come and visit me. Oh. oh. Uh, and, and I saw a, a picture staff. of them the
0: other day. They're incredibly cute.
2: Yes, they are. Uh, very small and very mischievous. Um, <laughs> one has just ejected itself from the Christmas tree, which is whatever. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get on with some Indie Corner. So there are a couple of cool, cool games I want to talk about this week. Uh, the first, I saw this concept, and I saw it in a tweet, and I was like, this is Incredible. I have to know more about this game. This is the tweet that I, I read. When a glitch appears in his world, an NPC named Gus becomes aware of you, the player. Together, you'll patch glitches to fix his world. As the story unfolds, Gus will have to come to terms with the truth. He's just an NPC in a video game. Now, I like a game that breaks the fourth wall, but that, that this game, which is called Glitched, um, and from a developer called Ian House Studios is completely obliterating that fourth wall this looks like an old school Zelda game and it's got some far-reaching uh, game mechanics so basically this this game will have you make lots of choices those choices will affect the essence of Gus the NPC that you are guiding through this world to fix his game everything that you do will have an effect on Gus and you will almost never see a game over screen because even losing a battle can be a choice. So if you don't want to beat up somebody, you don't have to beat them up. Um, this game is coming out uh, on Itch. Uh, if you have, if you like indie games, I strongly advise you go to this this website or Twitter. You can find the developers on at enhousestudios. And if you go to enhousestudios.itch.io slash glitched, you will find the game there. It's $15 to pre-order, and I have done so. I am very excited about this game. Second game. uh, This is another really cool concept. How many zombie apocalypse games have we played? Far too many. So many, 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 many zombie apocalypse games, and they're always about humans. This game turns on its head. You play as a zombie in a point-and-click adventure, trying to survive humanity. Now, I know point-and-click adventures are going through a bit of a small resurgence recently. I am absolutely on board as playing a zombie trying to survive humans because we are the fucking worst um this is gig coming from a developer called surprise monkey studios uh they are going to launch a kickstarter for, uh, during december uh you can go to their twitter which is i think it's sms at the minute um so if you search for sms and then um it comes up with like coming to kickstarter soon as their text message um you can go onto kickstarter and follow the project for when it goes live it looks like a very cool point and click adventure it's got a very cool concept. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to that one. Uh, the third game is called Whisker Squadron. So you might have heard of this. The, the gifts of this game have been doing going viral regularly. But I don't know if you can remember the game called Chase the Sun. Sorry, Race the Sun. Um, where you basically go along the ground, avoid obstacles, go fast, don't crash. That kind of game. It came out on every platform. was dead cheap and it just sold gangbusters the follow-up to that game, sorry, it's not a follow-up, but it's like six games later, um, the developers are combining that kind of game with Star Fox, Mother Wars. Um, so they're basically making a chase, uh, race the sun versus Star Fox, and it's called Whistle Squadron. You play plays cats in vector-style ships like the old N64 days, flying along the levels, shooting stuff. It looks like the Star Fox game we've wanted for ages, Um, that's also coming to Kickstarter soon and it's developed by Flipfly. So if you want to check out that game, if you've not seen the GIFs already, you need to check them out because it just looks like the Star Fox game we've wanted for ages that just Nintendo don't seem to want to give us. And lastly um, is a game called The Imagined Leviathan. Now, I've been looking for short games to play and I found this one. It's a short poetic survival horror game in a post-climate change Britain. Humanity relies upon you as a delivery man to deliver a warning for future generations. The game lasts 20 minutes. It's like a narrative based game. It's got a very, very cool art style that's just basically black and white. And the sky is white, the floor is white, trees have like an outline, but they're also white, but with black bits on them. It looks incredible. It looks incredibly stark, Uh, but it sounds like it carries a very strong message. I'm hoping to get into this game this week. It's cheap, it's on Steam. Um, and that's called The Imagined Leviathan. And that's from a series of developers that they, they seem to develop a lot of really quick and interesting narrative games. So go give that a check out. It's called The Imagined Leviathan. And that was the Indie Corner. Do Awesome.
0: Thanks, man. I do want to drop in a game, actually, this week. Go for it. It's called Song of Iron. Ooh. And it looks absolutely stunning. I saw a GIF of it this week, and I've shared it on my personal Twitter, and it looks amazing. It's a a 2D kind of like Viking adventure game. Um, I'm going to read you the, uh, the blurb. Uh, prepare to be met by a world set against you, and Song of Iron, man, monster, and nature itself will try to stop you. Fight through it in all this gritty adventure where combat is intense, visceral, and dangerous. Use bow, axe, and shield to fight back, but take care. Weapons can be lost. Arrows will run out and shield will be broken. With the blood of your ancestors and valor regained along the way, you can fight on. What interests me about this, as kind of generic as it sounds in that blurb, is the visual style. It deals with a lot of um, kind of photorealistic backgrounds, and the combat is using a lot of shadows, and it's just beautiful to look at. So um, have a look on Steam for Song of Iron, made by a company called Escape. And it looks, yeah, it looks great. I'm very excited to see where this where this goes. So it's on Steam. It's also coming to Xbox, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to play it.
2: That looks awesome. I just googled it while you were talking, and yes, I am in full agreement.
0: But yeah, but looks uh, looks fantastic. So I'm going to keep an keep a weather eye on that one. I believe it's it's going to be as awesome as it looks in these trailers and in the gifts that they're posting on Twitter at Song of Iron on Twitter. If you want to have a look. Right then, let's get into the quiz answers,
2: Mister Sean Davies. Okay, let's do this. So question one was, uh, the studio was formed in 2004 in California by Kevin Bruner, Dan Connors, and Troy Molander, and they developed Salmon and Max Save the World. Ross? I'm not going to ask you this, because I think you got it wrong. Go on. Oh, no, did I? What's the answer? I thought it was Double Fine. It's not. No!
1: I went for Telltale.
2: Telltale is correct. Fuck! You can't
0: put Telltale don't exist anymore. That's
2: not that's <laughs> yes, they do.
0: Telltale don't they're not a real developer anymore.
2: Uh, I'm, Lies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean they, they still do exist. Their Twitter is active. They are now Telltale Incorporated. Um just not the same studio. But this this was Telltale. It was started in 2004 by three Exclus guys, and they developed Simon Max of the World. Sorry. God damn it, I knew that Oh, Fuck okay. it. Okay, question two. It was founded by Andy Gavin and Jason Rubin in 1984. Their first game was called Math Jam for the Apple II. The studio was bought by Sony in 2001. Toby, who's that studio?
1: Naughty Dog. Naughty Dog is called. Or Naughty is Dog. It? Or, yeah,
2: It is. Hell yeah.
1: <laughs> is that a guess? <laughs> yeah, completely well done. Well done.
2: <laughs> okay, question three formed in 2006 by Genova Chan and Kelly Santiago. Their first game was released in 2006 called Flow for PlayStation consoles and PC. Roscoe, who's that studio?
0: You want the name of that game company?
2: Yeah, that game company. Tell me the, tell, tell the name of that game company.
0: Oh, that game company. I think we've done this trip before. I can't remember. <laughs> it sounds familiar. How long can we keep it going for? <laughs> <laughs> well, until I say the name of that, of that game company.
2: Okay, congratulations. The answer is that game company. All one word. Um, I'm not going to bother. If, if you didn't write it down as one word, that's fine. <laughs>
1: I started to write that <laughs> game studio as well. So I really messed it up.
2: Okay, question four. It was founded in 1994 by Ted Price as Extreme Software, but was renamed a year later. Uh, they developed the game Fuse, uh, Song, of, Song of the Deep, and Stormland. Toby, who's the studio? Uh,
1: that would be Insomniac.
2: Insomniac is correct. Well done. Hmm. Question five, founded by Tamin, oh my god. <laughs> they made Heavenly Sword and enslaved Odyssey of the West. It's the long question. Gross, who who made Heavenly Sword?
0: Heavenly Sword. That was Ninja yeah. Theory.
2: Ninja Theory is correct. Well done. I was gonna give you the full question because it was massive. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> question six: the company originated as a mod team for Half-Life 2 based at the University of Portsmouth in 2007. The team, the team is named after one of American philosophers, John Seale's Thought Experiments, and this studio was acquired by Sumo Digital in 2008. Toby, who's that?
1: Uh, no, I think I, I've guessed Black Mesa, but I don't think it's right.
2: Roscoe, who have you got?
0: No, I didn't get this one. It's the Chinese Room. Oh, the Chinese Room. They made everybody's gone to, to the rapture. Yes. I Mr. love China. that game.
2: I thought you thought of them later yeah. on. As the mentions.
0: <laughs> no, it didn't come to me in the end.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. Damn. Okay, Question seven. Uh, this London based company was founded by Simon Bennett, Tom Hegarty, and John Ribbons in 2008. They developed a skateboard game that won the BAFTA Award for Best Board Game in 2015. They would urge you to vote Bunny Lord, Ross. Who's this? <laughs> it's
0: it's Roll Seven, isn't it?
2: It is Roll Seven. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yes it is
0: He uh, um, came to me while uh, we were talking about pre-orders
2: uh, fuck <laughs> is that why he went on mute Just yeah rip off <laughs> 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 okay question eight uh, was founded in 2000 in the Ukraine and Ireland uh, by French expats uh, it was named after a nickname that the English used to describe the French best known for creating the adventures of Sherlock Holmes series Toby who uh, fro- said, oh go on Frogwares Damn it. What did you do? Who's that Pokemon? Um, (laughs) Yes, Frogwares is the correct answer. Uh, Question nine, based in Warsaw, Poland, was formed by members of both CD Projekt and Metropolis Software. They developed a game called Frostpunk and published Children of Mortar. Roscoe, who's that? 11-Bit Studios. 11-Bit Studios is correct. And finally, question 10, a Danish studio based in Copenhagen. The company came together in 2006 to create their game Limbo. Uh, the next title we publish about Epic Games. Uh, Toby?
1: Uh, I don't have an answer for
2: this one. Roscoe? Play Dead. Play Dead is correct. Well, I've heard of them at least. Oh. Uh, yeah, Makers of Inside, Limbo, and mm. Project 3, which is four years in the making now, and we've seen five seconds of it. <laughs> Interesting. And we don't even have a title, but we know that Epic is publishing it. Okay. All right. Let's have a look at the scores. Toby? Did you get six? Uh, seven. Seven. One more than expected. Well done, buddy. Roscoe.
0: Sorry, Sean. I got seven.
2: Congratulations <laughs> to both of you. Both. Won. <laughs> that's someone one without one. a tiebreaker. <laughs> no, that's somebody who doesn't do tiebreakers anymore. because no- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not doing tiebreakers anymore. You both got to win. Congratulations. Yay. Yay. Well Lessons, done, do listeners, let us know if you can beat seven. I know that quiz was tough. But, you know, if you could beat 7, you can win, listeners.
0: Fucking roll 7. I'm never going to buy a game from them ever again.
2: You will. Yeah, I will. The, ne- the next game is, is apparently very good. Damn it. After Laser League, which was, again, very good. These guys don't make bad games. They don't.
0: Who played Laser League? I mean... We did. The eight people that played Laser League.
2: <laughs>
0: no, I was, oh, I wanted to be Rocket League so bad, and it just wasn't good. Oh, no, I enjoyed it. I know you did, mate. It's a video game.
2: Yeah, that's true You know, you love it No, I I hate some games I, I hate Sebeck games <laughs> Just, you know I, If a bad game is a bad game I'll call it a bad game
0: I mean, we could do what Sebeck do, couldn't we? Yeah We could build a whole business off that quite easily
2: With £100 Yeah we can buy some assets and put them together Jumped on
0: Yeah, we get to We just write a nice narrative that sits in there as well
2: Oh no, no we don't need a fucking narrative, sorry no, that's true. <laughs> That would are going too far,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, i'm saying we could elevate what save do with like terrible visuals terrible gameplay terrible sound terrible audio design (laughs) but a wonderful story
1: (laughs) yeah i can write a terrible story i promise (laughs) that's nice and easy
0: that's just not true uh right then let's finish off with out this week mr toby anderson are you are you set for out this week
1: i'm ready oh what a hero let's do it okay um so out this week, uh we're starting with December first, which is tomorrow when this goes live. and um, we have got Empire of Sin uh coming out on all major consoles and PC. Chronos uh, before the ashes, which uh, Greg has reviewed and I think the what's the reviews up on the site um today. Um well, the day before this goes live. So um that will be uh, ready to read. Uh Twin Mirror is coming out on PC at PS4. I assume on Xbox it doesn't say that here, but um that's, uh, that's coming out that, that day as well. Uh, Project Wingman is a PC flight simulator coming out. Uh, Spirit of the, of the North, which we were talking about earlier, that Roscoe's reviewed, um, coming out on PS5 as the enhanced edition. Um, and a, what is, I assume is a, a Rainbow Six Siege enhancement as well is due on December
0: 1st. Oh, yeah, we've got to play
1: that. What is the enhancement? Yeah from december the second um we've got sam and max save the world remastered coming out which is uh one that's uh sean you're reviewing that one aren't you i am cool and uh shiren the wanderer uh which looks to be a rpg coming out on the switch um and that's all for uh december 2nd and then december 3rd has got loads of games so um december 3rd absolute drift Zen Edition, which uh, Greg is also reviewing, coming out on the Switch. And uh, PS4, we've got Immortals Phoenix Rising, um, which is uh, that Greek open world one from Ubisoft, Um, as I say, coming out on PS4, and I assume a few other places as well. Uh, Wildfire um, is an indie game coming out on PS4 and Switch on December 3rd, which came out on Steam, uh, must have been five, six months ago now. Uh, El Hijo, a Wild West tale. It's another indie one coming to Steam at least, and a few other places on December third, uh, along with Per Aspera, which is again another one of the ones, a whole bunch of ones that came out, um, or at least were announced during the uh, the indie festivals this year. The Per Aspera, uh, Morbid the Second, Seven Acolytes. If I can even say that right, Morbid the Seven Acolytes, um, which I've been playing and reviewing, um, and will be on the site on the second. Uh, Fogs. It's coming out on Xbox One and PS4 and Switch. Um, that's the one where you're an animal with two heads and a sort of spaghetti in the middle. Um, but that's, I think, did you guys play that one at um, EGS? Yes, yeah.
2: Greg, Greg managed to break it.
1: Greg managed to break it, fantastic. Hopefully they've fixed it since.
2: Yeah, that um, was a year ago. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um,
1: and uh, one I've been looking forward to for most of the year, Haven. It's coming out on December 3rd uh, on PC, oh, Xbox.
0: Fuck, it is, isn't it?
1: Yeah, PC, Xbox oh. One, uh, Xbox Series X, and PS5, I think, as well. Um, but the PS4 version, I think, is not...
0: Yeah, it's been delayed until next same year. Day. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: so that's a big one. I'm, I'm going to be diving into that on Game Pass. Um, we've also got uh, Taiko no Tatsujin, or Taiko no Tatsujin Rhythmic Adventure Pack, which is uh, on Switch uh, from Bandai Namco we dear, dear, nothing else on that day. Um, and then uh, December 4th, which will be the last one for now, uh, FIFA 21, is that right? Yeah,
0: it's the next-gen upgrade.
1: Okay, FIFA 10, 21, next-gen for your PS5 or your Xbox Series X, uh, a game called Nine Witches Family Disruption, which has been on some of the indie stuff as well, uh, Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light coming to Switch, uh, a Commandos 2 remaster, uh, which I think Greg was able to try at one point, but this is the Switch version. Um, and another one that I think Sean was interested in, called Dark with a Q, D A R Q, um, is also coming out on December fourth. Yes. Which looks kind of interesting, doesn't it? Um, Madden NFL twenty one is coming out on that day as well. Uh, Dragon Quest, I uh, Dragon Quest eleven, Echoes of an Elusive Age. I think that's the remake of the game that came out a few years back, but and um, with all sorts of extra new stuff on it. Plus, it's coming to Game Pass um, for free. And I think that's it. I think that wraps us up.
0: Fantastic. Loads of stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a busy week. I'm going to jump into Immortals this week. Play a bit more Phoenix Rising. Mm, and Haven. And Haven, yes. Primarily Haven. I was looking for a game to play for a week before that game by CD Projekt Red comes out.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking.
0: It's got mm. a perfect
1: one-week time frame.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Haven might have to be that game. Oh, very exciting. Cheers, Toby. Right, let's move on then to... Well, nothing, because that's it. Thank you all very much, indeed for listening, ladies and gentlemen. That's the end of the podcast. Um, Don't forget, you can follow us absolutely everywhere. Go to the link tree in our description to find us on Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, Apple, everywhere, basically everywhere. If you really love what we do, why not join our Patreon for $1 a month? Our Black Friday sale is now over, unfortunately, but don't worry. You can get it then for the same price as you can now. $1 a month to sign up and keep the podcast on all its hosting services and keep the website nice and shiny. That would be lovely. Thank you very much indeed. But until next time, it's goodbye from Mr. Toby Henderson. Sayonara. Goodbye from Mr. Sean Davies. Toodles. And goodbye from me. I've been Roscoe. We'll see you next time on the Guns Podcast.